You're listening to IoT Emerge, your place for conversation and information about the Internet of Things. Hey, I'm your host, T.C. Doyle. Our guest this week is Richard Catazone. He's the Chief Technology Officer with Amori Corporation. Now, when my co-host B.B. Jackson and I sat down with him at the recent IoT Emerge conference, we asked him to give us some history on his company, which dates back several decades. Now, if you're wondering how a company that old can have much to do with the Internet of Things, well, listen to Richard explain how. Started 80 years ago, uh, family-owned, still family-owned, so third generation of family owns the company. Started with Grandpa Bill Morey repairing radios for Montgomery Ward back in the day. Wow. And then when the war came along, they were doing electronics and communications for the war, and that's grown into the electronics company that they are today, built largely off a 37-year relationship with Caterpillar. We've been an electronic arm to them for a long time and been able to build up a lot of technology and capability leading right up to IoT as it is today. Let's talk first, high-level question. Sure. And what I want to start at is simply this. Midwest Company, that's kind of a grinding organization, kind of a grind it out. And yet you're playing at the cutting edge of the high-tech innovation space where you're creating a new. So that's how right. does a company that has been grinding away for all these years uh, get it? the cutting edge of IT innovation? There's a couple things that led up very nicely. So the IoT cutting edge really was end-to-end before it was IoT, and that's been around for a while. Mori made the first satellite-connected device that was on a Caterpillar product 20 years ago. So they started the technology way back when, before there was a megatrend, and built up capabilities around that since then. So one of the things that the uh, owners of Mori were very had good foresight on is they put the engineering and the technology talent into the organization as a technology company. And when a megatrend like IoT comes along, they were then very nicely positioned. One of the things I've done with Mori over the past two and a half years is rebranding and actually repositioning the company to be less of a, like you said, a grinded out contract manufacturing commodity type of play and more of a technology leader and technology play in this space and it's playing out really well. I have a a unique background in the fact that I came out as an engineer. Worked for uh, Motorola for a lot of years as an engineer, then started to get my MBA and got into the business side of things. So I spent 12 years uh, in and out of Silicon Valley with Altera Semiconductors. Was introduced to Mori about two and a half years ago and for exactly the reason you had talked about at the beginning of this, I was really enticed to see that level of technology in the Midwest and the potential that that could bring if we really were to unleash it. Mori's go-to-market model, it sells direct to the contract manufacturer partners or does it sell through partners and sales agents? How do you guys go to market? We work directly with OEMs. So we end up being their hardware services partner beginning to end. And then anything that they're doing with their customers or solutions that they're building around it, we fill that space. You said M to M earlier, and a lot of people are saying that about the IoT, that aren't we just kind of rebranding some innovation and technology? Why do you think it's different or refute the premise? Why do you think that is, you know, this is just a rebranding of technology that's been around? Absolutely. We've watched that change happen. It's been interesting. So M to M was machine to machine communication, and it was novel in the day when you were able to hook things up and make them talk. But it always is, you know, what do you do at the next level of that? What do you do with that information? How do you put that data? How do you put it to use? And I see IoT as the actual application of that 
into business functions, into something that actually transforms business. One of the things I give as an analogy is I think that the transformation using ERP and MRP systems was revolutionary for businesses because they could take transactions, take in some data, and make decisions that they didn't have available before they had that data. Well, now IoT is connecting up things that were never connected before, providing data that they can make business decisions on that they never had before. The nice thing about IoT for a company like Mori is it's inherently hardware-based because you have to hook things up at the edge. So that makes a great opportunity for us. Are we scratching the surface? What do you think the, uh, where, where are we in the maturation of the IoT era? I think we're just starting. So the technology's in front of us. Things are getting connected. I think where we're going to have some big learning areas are going to be how we actually apply them to business, how we make real returns out of that, and uh, what we do and find when we start to look deep into the data. Very good. I, I know, Bibi, you got a security question you want to ask. I do. Speaking of you know, not knowing what's out there, that does beg the question of security and what you guys are doing to address it. I mean, when you're looking at things that are new and you're talking about connectivity and bringing things together, doesn't that open up to potential problems as well. It doesn't just open it up, it opens it <laughs> wide open. So uh, I've been looking at it and it's interesting, right? Because what we're doing is great. We're connecting up everything, but we're also making all kinds of doorways for people to enter systems that they didn't have access to before. The denial of service attacks is a perfect you, you example. Got it. And those are in mature markets. I mean, they've been protecting the internet and the web for a couple of decades now. And it's a race that they still tend to get beat sometimes and tend to stay ahead of it. And I think we're going to have to run that same race on IoT and connecting things up. So when we're in embedded systems, we do what we can to secure the operating systems that are there, all the software, the ways that you actually can get into the systems. I don't think it was thought of enough until now. Mm -hmm. And I think we're thinking of it a lot now. And, uh, and there's a lot of room to learn and to put some best practices into place and, and to be more secure. But it is absolutely a concern. So give us where you think we are in the continuum. Are we gaining on the bad actors out there or are they running away from us and they're running roughshod all over us. So as far as IoT goes, I think we're just at the beginning of that. I don't think we've seen all the bad actors. So you saw the very publicized one was when they hacked a Jeep, right? But that was staged. Not only did they hack it to see if it could get hacked, but then they published how they hacked it, right? Yeah. So that's uh, something to use as a guidance, but I don't think we've seen the level that people can go to use this to their Yeah, advantage. stagecraft or not, it's very unnerving to see that Jeep on the side yeah, of the road I, I, getting pulled yes, over. Yes, absolutely, for all, for all kinds of reasons. So yeah, it's at the top it's of the road. Visual, yeah. Yeah. So when your organization starts to attack some of these issues, you, you mentioned BB uh, security, but there's also privacy regulation. Um, we're living in a world where uh, we're kind of standing out there naked in the, uh, the world for all to see our, our data, our information. That's right. Privacy dead? As we knew it, as I think it is. Um, I heard a great TED talk the other day, and they, they referred to it as digital exhaust coming off of everybody and everything that we do. And if you think about it, there's no, I mean, going to the woods and, and unhooking yourself, I think there's even still some digital exhaust going on there. So um, I think as we knew it, it's going to change and it's going to evolve. Yeah, We leave footprints, and you think about the billions of transactions and interactions that humans have. And you mentioned the machine to machine. You know, we're talking trillions of bits of data. Yeah. How do we store it? Who's responsible for it? You know, where does the government regulation come in? Well, that's exactly the, the problem, right? How do we store it? And like I said, they're mining the information now, and they're finding things that we didn't even know were there. And uh, I think that what they find in that is going to be interesting and, and make a whole new set of uh, 
issues or opportunities, however you look at it. So, B.B., where do you stand on this uh, with privacy? Do you think that there's a way that a younger generation behind us is going to be thinking of it differently than we do, that they don't care? I do. I'm not sure that they understand what privacy is. You know, you post everything. They just put their whole life out there. So there's no boundaries. What... (laughs) What's privacy? Right. <laughs> it just doesn't quite exist. Um, and I don't think there's thought of the amount of data that they create and that they're generating. And then that stimulates other companies to reach out to them and target them. And, and so there's just not that same connection. There's not that same kind of fear, right. I think. I want to bring back to your point, your company, use cases, how the technology is being uh, applied in the field, what you think are some of the most exciting ones. But let's put, let's put an end cap on this part of the conversation. And I want to ask you about the regulation. We're entering a period with the IoT where we're moving from de jour legal regulations, you know, taxi cabs having to be uh, licensed and, and checked out. But now we're moving to an era of private enterprise de facto. You know, with Uber, it's not a government entity that's regulating it. It's crowdsourcing, people rating the driver, and yes. then the company being expected to do background checks. Is this a healthy evolution for the economics, or do you think this is a dangerous zone we're skating into? That's a great question. Yeah, the guy who just had <laughs> breakfast with a cup of coffee. Yeah, there you go. I think we're at the early edge of that as well. But, uh, you know, we've all seen where, where government regulation works and where it doesn't work. Yeah. And I think it's nice to see things done in a different way at some point or another. And there's always going to be some fear when we make changes like this. But I think there's also going to be a lot that we can learn in it. You know, maybe it's not one or the other, but maybe it's some nice, healthy mix of that that we move ourselves into. Fair enough. Let's talk use cases for the Mori Corporation and its products. Uh, what is the most exciting application you guys see people doing with your technology today? Yeah, absolutely. One of the um, applications we have the most experience in is in uh, connecting up vehicles, so what they call telematics. We spend a lot of time reading what's on the vehicle bus from all the sensors that come inside of the car and then transmitting it over cellular networks to make all the data that we're talking about. That was interesting in the beginning for location and uh, maybe hours of service and some, some simple things. But now we are capable of grabbing a lot more and sending it up. And I think the other interesting thing that's happening is now companies are looking at doing some level of compute at the edge. So not just sending everything to the cloud, but actually using some computing and making some decisions out on the edge. And, and they're even moving into the realm of machine learning, which I think is really interesting in and of itself and, and will be a, a, a neat trend. Layer that on top with some artificial intelligence, and you really are looking at a whole different transportation world. Yeah, you're putting intelligence into things that really didn't have much intelligence at all. So how long before we do have autonomous driving vehicles and you know things that we've been seen and that shown? That was coming on quick. Right. I mean, it's coming on quicker than I thought. Um, so one of the things we see over time is that everything accelerates at a much faster pace, right? 2007 till now with the iPhone is, is very, very fast relative to everything that you look at. I think autonomous driving became an idea that I noticed within the last couple of years. And I saw that they just drove a um, semi-truck across the United States with a bunch of cans of beer in it autonomously, which is just amazing. So I think it's just right around the corner. Or if ever there was a motivation... <laughs> Yeah, I know. If we can move kids some to get into STEM, I'm you. Absolutely. But I heard someone uh, refer to it that, you know, right now we ask if there should be autonomous driving, and it's not too far in the future when we're going to ask ourselves if people should be driving cars, which right. is an interesting thought. Right. Well, you know, we're already at the point where with Uber, you have a generation that is asking themselves why 
take the car mm-hmm. when I can take an Uber. But I think to your point, the next generation is going to be saying, why buy a car when I can you know, just hop in the autonomous vehicle Absolutely. to pick me up? Hmm. Revolutionary stuff. Impediments. We talked about regulation. We talked about privacy. We talked about security. Other technological impediments. Either you, you talked about, you know, we get into the fog computing and computing at the edge. Is that, are, are we able to store and process the information or are there certain impediments that you can kind of share and you think that need to be overcome? Well, I think it's a, a matter of being savvy in how you apply the electronics. We have a, a great partner that's looking at doing it a totally different way with massive data storage at the edge and being able to look through the data very quickly and find it faster. And that's not necessarily a compute play as it is a storage play on the edge. So I think it's creative ways to be able to make that change. Yeah, hardware solutions, yeah. I think, probably really are up and coming. That's another challenge to think about. Mm. It is. It's a great cycle, too, right? Because hardware had its time, and then we've gone through a big software era, which is interesting going back to the Rust Belt comment from the beginning. So we were talking about this yesterday. I spent a lot of time going back and forth to Silicon Valley, like I said, for well over a decade. A lot of solutions were uh, silicon and software-based out of there. A lot of it was Internet-based out of there. But now when you actually get into the application of machines and an industrial, the Midwest actually is a good place for that. And I think it's going to be an interesting change, and it now comes back to a cycle of hardware, which is a neat play. Well, that's all for this episode of IoT Emerge. I'm T.C. Doyle. And I'm B.B. Jackson. Thanks for listening, and join us next episode.